You know Jonathan Frakes as Commander William T. Riker on Star Trek The Next Generation and its sequel films, Captain William T. Riker on Star Trek Lower Decks, and Captain William T. Riker retired on Star Trek Picard. As you also know, he's directed a number of Star Trek episodes and films, 38 in all and counting. He's also a supporter of Pancreatic Cancer Research, and since November is Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month, he joined me to talk about Star Trek and about his very personal experience with pancreatic cancer. I'm T. Rick Jones, and this is your Daily Star Trek News. And I think the first way we need to start is by commiserating uh, about the Phillies this weekend. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, I, what about did Schwarber lose the fucking plot? I mean, what happened I, to him? I don't know. It was so crazy because it looked like in the early part, it looked like they were going to win. Um, you know, I, or was, least, I was convinced they were going to win. Reese Hoskins yeah. lost the plot. Um, it was it was Bryce was astounding, but they completely pitched around him. And plus, I hate I hate the fucking cheaters. I hate Bregman with a burning passion. I was happy that Altuve wasn't hitting, and then all of a sudden he found his stroke. It just it couldn't have gone worse. It was exciting to be in the World Series again, though, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been quite a while. So, <laughs> so I was I was glad for that. But man, I'll tell you, they they screwed the pooch on Saturday. I know. It, it, I thought they were um, after the three run homer. I thought they really looked shell shocked and defeated. Yeah, they lost the edge. Schwarber, particularly, who who uh, seemed to me always to have sort of uh, ice water going through his veins, he could hit any time he wanted to. That kind of thing. He was like like Jeter. I thought he could just hit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's so funny because when that that three run homer happened, I was like, no, they can still do it. They can do still do exactly it. Exactly the same way. I was talking to the TV. I said, this is no problem. We'll get Bryce up. He'll have a couple guys on. Everything will be tied again. We'll start over. Exactly. It, was ex it sure was exciting for a few games, though, man. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And you look you look good doing the announcing since you look so much like John Smoltz. Let's go back. Let's talk about Star Trek first, then. It, let's go back to the um, to a few years ago. So you uh, when you came on to the original Next Generation series, you you were beardless. You. Um, you know, you were Riker was very young and uh, and, you know, a really good uh, commander, but he had a lot to learn. And that arc sort of took us all the way through the next generation. And even through the, um, you know, your arc as Riker took us even through the movies. Uh, so then nothing happened for 18 years. And then you come back for Star Trek Picard. How how do you come back to a series almost 20 years later and keep keep Riker as Riker but now he's got 18 years of experience um behind him well Riker was in the first season of Picard but he was no longer in uh Starfleet he had you know he moved to that planet uh Nepenthe with Troy and our son who died I mean, there's a whole story in season one yeah Riker and leaving the you know, and he missed it, and then it show, he shows up. Obviously, he, he re-enlisted or something because I was at the end of one. So it was. What happened is, 
Terry Metalis, who's a was our showrunner for season three, who's from Twelve Monkeys. Do you know who he is, the writer? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. He he came to me during season two when I was directing Picard. He said, "I hope you're ready to play Riker again." I said, "Well, I did. You know, I did one last year. It was fine." He said, "No, no. I mean, really play Riker again." I said, "What are you talking about?" I said, "I'm planning a story <laughs> where Riker's in every episode, of season three. I said, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> he said, "Nope." That's, I just want to make sure you're up for it. And I said, well, dude, I, I haven't acted in a lot of time. So, And he ended up writing arguably the best Riker stuff ever. I mean, I had some wonderful Riker episodes, obviously. Um, Outcast, Offspring, the one on the uh, Servant on the Klingon ship, Frame of Mind, where I went crazy. I had a lot of good yeah. stuff in Next Gen. But this stuff... There's there's actually conflict between Riker and Picard on in uh, season three, which is wow. sort of unprecedented in the Roddenberry world. We had we had uh, really totally different. The characters had very different points of view on how to handle the situation we were in. So that was that alone was very cool to play those kind of scenes with Patrick. So yeah. it ended up being such a joy to have uh, somebody who's a as massive a fan as Terry is at the helm of what essentially, I mean, they don't like it to call it a reunion, but it certainly ended up being, we were all gathered, you know, by the end of the season, we're all there and we're all saving the fucking world. And it was, it was great. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. It, it certainly feels like a reunion. I was at New York comic-con a couple of weeks ago uh, covering yeah. it for daily Star Trek news and the, I mean, you you were the ones that everybody was waiting for to come out on stage. Yeah, and, that, that went very well because Patrick was really pro. Yeah. Because you probably know, knowing as much about the uh, inside baseball of Star Trek as you do, that Patrick signed up to do Picard with the understanding it was not going to be the next Next Generation show, right? Yeah. And he yeah. made that very clear publicly, privately. So for him to uh, embrace if you will, this new version or us coming on to his show, really. Yeah. And then promote it the way he did it at the Comic-Con really, really helped because we were all sort of on pins and needles as to which, uh, how he was going to handle the his public persona around it. And I thought he was really gracious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this may be a better question for him. I, I would like to talk to him at some point, but do you know what, what uh, convinced him? um uh, about this you know he did really did seem enthusiastic about it i think maybe the end result maybe seeing episodes or something because i think he was he was skeptical and yeah i also think that there is a i mean to be frank season two of picard was really for a uh and an, it was ill-conceived to, to shoot a return to earth show during the pandemic when you couldn't have LA filled with right. people that, so that they didn't know that was going to happen. The, the, the season was written and, you know, you could see in the production value that if it was shot before the pandemic or, or even now it would have been thousands of people everywhere. It would have been, it would have been a little bit of an homage to like the whale movie. Um, sure. Right. That's kind of what I, the feeling I got from watching it. Yeah, it was meant to be that. 
it was meant to be that, but I think it didn't achieve that because of the pandemic, frankly. Yeah. And that, that I think took some of the excitement out of what was other, would have been a very, I don't know, I, to be really candid, I think we maybe have stayed on earth a little too long in that, in that season. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think people agree. Some people agree with you. Yeah, definitely. Um, so are you directing this season as well, or are you just Riker for the season? No, I did two episodes of uh, mm -hmm. season three as well. I did episodes uh, three and four. Okay, great. Um, I, you're one of my favorite directors of Star Trek, so I'm always excited when I see your name up there. Oh, I've got a great uh, Strange New Worlds coming up. Oh, yeah? Oh, great. I love that show. I did a, uh, an episode that's a crossover with um, Lower Decks. Oh, right, yeah. And uh, Jake or Jack Quaid and uh, Tony Newsom, Mariner and uh, Boimler come through, you know, from animation to live action and join us on the on the ship. And it, it's it's just wonderful. It's funny. It's uh, they've taken big swings on Strange New Worlds. Yeah, yeah, they have. They've taken some chances. Um, but I think it paid off. I think that show has has found that um, that sweet spot that the original series used to have, which each episode stood alone on its own. You know that kind of vibe. Yeah. I'm just about to finish an episode of Discovery, which has gone back to a very action adventure format this season in season five. So that I have a great episode of that coming up. So I'm so I'm so. Uh, grateful to be part of this sort of this next next wave of uh, star trek shows yeah and they seem to be putting you on every show they can i don't think you've directed any of the lower decks other than the you haven't you don't direct animation so i don't think well, you i don't but i've learned from mcmahon who's who's amazing by the way Do you, have you talked to him you know Mike i haven't him? talked to him yet i really want to yeah he's a he's fabulous he's funny he's a uh, urbane he's ironic he knows a lot of he and uh, Tawny, who I mentioned, yeah, really get into the weeds on, on deep, deep, tiny little Easter eggs about Deep yeah. Space Nine and Voyager and Enterprise. I mean, so deep, so inside baseball that it's it, a lot of it eludes me. And I, I don't know a lot about Star Trek, but I've certainly been around it long enough to know some. And these guys yeah. really go deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's amazing watching every episode of that show because you're like what are they gonna what are they gonna reference this time <laughs> you know i know i just you're talking about lower decks yeah 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 it's clever as hell anyway to watch him direct has been uh very, very educational because i did a couple episodes as Riker for him and it's i guess it reminds me a little bit of doing a a uh three camera sitcom where okay. the writers will say they'll yell at you try this line oh no no try it this way try it and it was that kind of and that's that's a lot of that's a very fun way to work yeah um and it's it's nice that you mentioned that because i actually had a question about your Riker stint on lower decks as well how how do you because it was Riker, but he was amped up to like 11 to, yes. to which was so much fun for me that yeah. was uh because I had met, I had my, met McMahon in in Toronto, and uh, we had a sushi dinner with a couple of, I think, a visual effects guy. I think Jason Zimmerman was there, and one of the writers was another writer that was. So we had a chance to get to know each other 
personally and uh we sort of ran at the same speed in in a weird way in terms of playfulness and he then said do you want to come and do you know that you know Riker at 11 as you said <laughs> <laughs> so that was um that was a, a great opportunity because you always like to take the piss out of your character if you can Sure, absolutely. So, how do you stay true to the character but still hit that hit that comedy? Well, I think the animation stayed true to the character, and the voice is obviously the same. But you, you know, he is uh, because he's such a trekkie. He doesn't or trekker, whichever is appropriate. He <laughs> doesn't. He doesn't. Um, he doesn't take it outside too far outside of canon. He just. Let's the characters be a little wackier, and it's 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 wonderful. It's, it's sort of what Seth did with Orville. Yeah, right. Yeah, which is also a wonderful show, a wonderful Trek homage. Um, that that the Orville as well. Do you do you have any um, do you have a yen to direct some animation? Might we see you directing some lower decks at some point? I, I, it's just. Um... I don't know. That's a good question. I I think you have to be a writer to direct animation well. I think you have to have, at least that's the impression I get from watching McMahon do it. And when I did Gargoyles, the writer was always in the room with the guy in the booth and they do the same thing where they, you know, I think it's a certain, it has a lot to do with energy, but has, I think, more to do with uh, thinking on your feet. I sometimes will give that kind of direction when I'm directing scripted stuff, but very yeah. rarely. Will I say, or take the liberty to say, well, why don't you try it this way? I want you to try saying this instead, and but yeah. only after I've gotten the the um, uh, a take or more takes as the as the scenes are written because we're very we honor the writing a lot on Star Trek as you probably know. I've heard, yeah, uh, which is great. It's very specific writing. It's almost it's yeah. almost period writing. You know, it's almost. Yeah. Almost, it, I I don't want to say Shakespearean, but I kind of want to say Shakespearean. It's it's got that well, sort it's of. It's a very good. That's a really good observation. I remember with the the Klingons when you're casting Klingons, we almost always ended up with Shakespearean actors. And the yeah. I mean, a lot of the uh, rubberheads, the Ferengi, uh, Armin's a big Shakespearean guy. Vaughn Armstrong, big Shakespearean actor. Yeah. A lot of the actors who fought their way through the prosthetics had um classical background and weren't afraid to you know to go big or go home and you could um yeah. doug jones who's amazing actor i don't know I his, love his him. Actor, but yeah he has an ability he claims it's from being a mime that his uh you feel oh yeah what saru feels and he is completely wrapped in fucking rubber you know so he's it's amazing yeah i was i was looking at at uh, a photo of him the other day in the saru and i was like how does he emote through that <laughs> oh and he does don't he you really you feel does. yeah uh so can you give me any hints about what's to come for Riker in picard season three no i don't want to get in trouble with cbs i've already been fair enough i have been so bad about slipping stuff <laughs> I've, I've, I've tried to make amends with all of the publicity people who i've offended so i'm i'm steering clear of any kind of 
tier. I totally get it. That's that's absolutely fine. I figured you were going to say that, but I had to try. Yeah, of course. It's your it's your job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. So uh, is is Riker going to? Do we know? You may not know the answer to this. Is Riker going to show up in Lower Decks again, or is he going to show up in even Star Trek Prodigy, something like that? I, I can only hope. I know that uh, I think Boimler, who is on Riker's Titan on Lower Decks, has moved on yeah. to another ship. So I'm not sure that that story is still in the canon of Lower Decks. So I would love to go back. Yeah, we've every every season. I'm like, I wonder if I wonder if Freaks is going to be doing um, Riker again. <laughs> <laughs> not so far. <laughs> not yet. So, They're great about bringing other characters. I think Armin was on there this year. He was. He's um, part of this pancreatic cancer Trek team. Yes, he and his wife Kitty, Kitty Swink, yeah. are both yeah, she's involved. A big part, as well. part of my story. Um, tell me, tell me a little bit about PanCan. What it is, uh, as much as you know how it started, uh, what its what its goal is. Well, I can tell you what its goal is, and then I can tell you how I got involved in it. Yeah, perfect. There's a there's a website called pancan.org, which is user friendly even to a lot of like myself. <laughs> and if you get in there, you can throw some money at us. We're really trying to raise money to uh, pay for research for early detection of pancreatic cancer, which is the key, and and for for obviously for better treatment options because it is so under detected and undetectable and such a killer that it um we need we need better testing it needs to be either we need to either find a blood test that works for it or markers of some kind to work for it so that's the objective and it's been somewhat successful i'll tell you my my connection with it, my my wonderful Please. late brother Daniel turned yellow and jaundice. We took him to the hospital 25 years ago. They opened him up and they closed him up and they said, uh, he's got pancreatic cancer and it's, it's too far along. There's nothing we can do. And we're sorry. He has maybe six months to live. So five months later at 41, Daniel died. It was the week that our daughter was born, ironically. So obviously took the air out of our family. And a few years later, my dear old friend, Aaron Shimmerman, and his wife, Kitty, who I've known since my years in New York, Kitty had pancreatic cancer and survived, had the Whipple, which is the operation they do on pancreatic cancer patients. Yeah. And now this year, Kitty Swink is celebrating as we all are, her 18th year cancer-free, which is unheard of. Yeah. So Daniel, when Daniel died, there was a 4% survival rate. Last year, thanks to PanCan, there was an 11% survival rate, which still sucks, but is you know certainly an improvement, and we're obviously aiming for 100% survival rate. Yeah. So Kitty who is this beacon of hope, who's a fabulous human being, but also shares her story, helps other pancreatic cancer patients, helps us. 
I used to tell my mom about her and uh, talk to my mom on the phone. Every few times, my mom would say, how's your friend Kitty doing? And I say, you know what? Kitty's doing great. And it would bring a smile to my mom's face because she re represented this hope, you know. Because sure. Daniel's death was, you know, devastating to our family, obviously. And uh, Kitty represented something that was sort of intangible and yet tangible. And uh, I've been grateful to her ever since, and as was my mom for her whole life. So Kitty Swink's really the person who brought me in. She said, she's been working with Pancan for years. And she said, would you like to be involved? I said, actually, I'd love to be involved because there's nothing like being involved in a charity that you really care about. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. It's one thing to lend your name or your face or your whatever celebrity you have, but to actually have a story and a reason and a hope. Also, this this organization, the awareness went up. You remember when Alex Trebek was uh yes. at the announcement while he was doing Jeopardy, right? And that was a yep. big deal. Uh -huh. And he lived for he lived for a couple of years after he announced, I think, before yeah. he died. Yeah, so true. that raised the awareness. And his family's very involved with this thing. We recently lost Aretha Franklin to pancreatic cancer, who was one of my dad and my biggest heroes. We thought she, you know, maybe the greatest singer ever. Sure. And then in our family, Jeannie and I were both on North and South together. Jeannie's brother in North and South was Patrick Swayze, who died of pancreatic cancer yeah and one of the people who i learned from early on in the business when i was acting and he was directing and acting and producing was um michael landon who also died from pancreatic cancer right there's a lot of people in our business who have connections to this and their families carry on with pan can and there's a lot of people everywhere who are affected by it so yeah anything you can get your uh, listeners to to do to help would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. And this is this is National Pancreatic Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month, which is hard to yeah. say, but very and November seventeenth is November seventeenth is a big pancreatic awareness day. But uh, yeah, all of November is the uh, the purple the purple strides coming up, which is another fundraiser we do. Yeah, so it's um we're we're getting the word out. So. I was actually going to ask you about both of those things. I was going to start with November 17th. So there, there is a virtual event uh, that people can attend for free. What do you want to tell me a little bit about that? What to expect? Yeah, exactly. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what that is. I did it last year. You can punch in again. It's, it's, it's pretty clear on the pancan.org uh, website. Okay. So there are clubs, there are uh, survivor groups, there are support groups, there are family groups. And it becomes a big uh, Zoom party. And I think what they do is it, it must be in 10 or 15 different cities. That there's a gathering. It, that's the Purple Stride. That's a, that's a walk. That's that's later in the year. Yeah. Anyway, the two separate events, both of which are obviously serving to to raise money for for research. And the Purple Stride, this is the second year, or has it been going on longer? This is the, at least the third year that I'll be involved. I think the Purple Stride's been going on for a while. That's where we have teams. We have the Trek Against Pancreatic Cancer team, which is Armin and Kitty and I. Oh, cool. And Yeah, so we, we raise money, and then we stride, or people stride on our behalf, or, you know, 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little like a mini marathon. It's like a 5K walk or two and a half mile, whatever it is. And again, that's the thing that's in different cities all over the country on that that's day. Like, okay. And is that, is people sponsor you? Is it, is it like that kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They go in and, and we, 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 um, we compete <laughs> how much money we can raise. And we try to shame our uh, successful friends into helping us out. Do they give when they when they support you? Do they do they do it like um, per mile? Do they say you know I'll I'll do five bucks per mile or? No, I think what they do. I think what they do is they go in, they punch on the trek against pancreatic and cancer team, and then they can pick Kitty or Armin or me. Generally, Kitty, because she's the pancreatic cancer survivor, and we're sort of her support group. And, she generally Kitty shames Armin and me with the amount of money she raises. <laughs> we look like like a couple of pitchers next to us, in spite of the fact that he's a fucking Ferengi and should have all the big platinum in the world. <laughs> I know you can't trust those Ferengi. <laughs> obviously not. <laughs> um. Great. Um, what else? What other, you know, you've got these two two events. What else does PanCan do um, to, to raise Pan funds? PanCan provides, I talked to someone earlier today, what Kitty does and others, other survivors, they provide a, a, a forum or a shoulder or an ear or advice to family members and people who are going through treatment and there's a there's an entire underbelly of incredible. I, I we we um we zoom with them, Armin and Kitty and I. There's an incredible group of survivors and family members who can really be helpful to people who feel like they're alone when they're going through this. And again, this is all in in this inside the pancan.org. You can find them. They'll help you. They'll talk to you. They'll zoom with you. They'll call you on the phone it's a it's a very special group of people again the website is pancan.org you can go there to find out information about the virtual live stream that's happening on world pancreatic cancer day that's later this week on november 17th uh, you can also find out about the pancan purple stride 2023 that's occurring on saturday april 29th if you go to our website, you can click a button that will take you right to PanCan's donation page. Uh, Jonathan Franks, thank you so much, um, and have a great day. Thank you, Rick. Take care. You too, man. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.